Hello. Hey, thanks for listening. Episode four. Yes, we're well in now. We are discussing the film Gladiators, which is not, uh, as I thought, just a, a long version of that great 90s TV show Gladiators. It's actually more gruesome than that. More ancient Romy than that. Yeah, really, a bit it? more historical than the 90s. Yeah, we watching we watched Gladiator. What did you think of? I actually, you know what, surprise, enjoyed it. Why is that a surprise? Because it's a man film. Oh. And the first half an hour I was like, "Oh, this is so dull." Like there was a bit where I just realized that I'd been daydreaming for the last 10 minutes and you sort of had noticed cuz my eyes were looking at the TV, but you didn't want to say cuz you didn't want to be like militant about it. But then I had to like try and focus and get me to summarize the last ten minutes of film. Yeah, I think the wine helped me enjoy this film more than the last one. Well, you've drank enough of it, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> bottles and bottles of the stuff, love. I love this film. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what it was about, but it was great. It is October, which means mulled wine is back in the shops, and Hannah's mulled wine holism. It I'm kicks a off ha- again. Half a year alcoholic. Yeah, sort of. When it gets wintry and you can toast your wine, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Got no need for cold wine in my life. <laughs> Who does that? And then I bite up in like January. I'll uh, buy a few bottles to get me through those difficult summer months. <laughs> those warm summer months. <laughs> yep. There we go. That was so. Gladiator. <laughs> Yeah, I thought maybe we could try and go through the storyline. I can't do it by myself, though. Okay, well, why don't you try, and I'll fill you in where I think you've gone wrong. There's an old man who is a Roman. He's like king of the Romans. Yep. And he's got a son and a daughter, and the son is a baddie. Agree. Then he's got an army... And the guy in charge of the army is kind of a goodie. I mean, he, like, kills lots of people because that's what the army is. But that's kind of acceptable murder, I think we've all... Absolutely. If you want to murder someone... Although, actually, I don't don't know if I'm down with that in general, but that's a whole other big discussion. But anyway, he was an acceptable and good murderer and a good guy whereas this other son this son was like a baddie um you're doing great okay so then old king roman was old and it was like who shall i leave my rome to my baddie son or this like army guy when actually he should have been like oh i've got a daughter She'd be fine. Why don't I leave it to her? I think you're forgetting that this was in 180 AD. And as I understand it, there was a a little bit of a wait till female (laughs) empowerment really made it. Oh, yeah. Then Baddie's son proves he's a baddie by oofing the father. Is that the word? (laughs) Oofing (laughs) Offing. What do you call it? Killing killing him to death. Yeah. Strangling him. Mm. And then... Oh, then I think I daydreamed a bit. The the guy ended up in Morocco, which was a short walk from Surrey. 
you, you followed it so far? Those are the places it was actually filmed in, but that wasn't where it was meant to be. So I think Surrey was meant to be Germany. Yeah, it doubled as Germania, ancient Germania. And then what was the place in Algeria? I've written it down. It was Zuckerbar. Zuckerbar. Which is in modern day Algeria. But they did walk from Germany to Algeria. It was like a short walk well, in the film. No, that was a little Because he also, if I'll excuse me for interrupting you, he also rode his horse in the bit you daydreamed in. Remember he took two horses and you were like, why is he taking two horses? Oh yeah, that was interesting. Because he rode from Germany to Spain where he was, where his family yep. was, and then he found his family who'd been oofed, which is mm-hmm. our new way of saying murdered, yep. on the orders of the baddie. And so it's actually not all that far from Spain to Morocco. There is a sea, though, and there wasn't a scene where they crossed the sea. They didn't get on a ferry. Are you going to tear apart all my man films like this? Okay, well, anyway, it looked like there was just a short walk from Surrey to Morocco. Uh, If you daydream in the ten minutes (laughs) when he's riding a horse from Surrey to Algeria. Anyway, uh, oh, then he was like a slave... Then somehow, oh, he was an impressive fighter slave because he'd had some training. <laughs> They're known as gladiators, my love. Yeah, okay. Um, it's and literally then, the name of the film. Then, because he won slavery, he got to go back to Rome again. <laughs> Is that oh what happened? Gosh. Could you describe for me what you mean the phrase, what you think the phrase won slavery means? He was the best slave. by what metric they did some fights and he was the best fighter right that i think that was the scene where was it in algeria where the woman with the boob plate got chopped in half no i think that that was in rome okay all right um so there was this woman right who had like armor you know like I've never seen like a woman wearing armor, but there was just this one woman wearing. Is it called a breastplate? It's called a breastplate. Yeah, it's great. But I've never seen a breastplate with actual breasts before. Um, so they had like a breastplate in the shape of boobs, like quite big boobs as well. And I wonder if they do them in every set. Like imagine going into their equivalent of like M and S and be like, "Look, oh, you know, I'm a thirty-four G or something." Do you have that in breastplate? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she got chopped in half. Mm, she did. Uh, that was a tangent. So then he goes back to Rome, to the Colosseum, which isn't a nightclub in Coventry in this film. It's um, it's uh, it's a, a round theatre. Yes, I mean maybe a stadium. But uh, shout out all to, my, to all my mates from the Collie, uh, a terrible nightclub on the edge of a dodgy estate in Coventry. So uh, then there was some more fighting and then that guy, oh, I've missed out a bit where he he was meant to be dead, that guy, the main guy. But then he wasn't dead. He managed to escape the people who were trying to kill him. But they killed his family. Um, that was a pretty gross scene where he sort of like went to see his family and he just they'd like been hung and he just saw their feet. 
and they had really dirty feet. Um, and he's kind of snotted on his wife's dirty feet. Like that is that is a low life moment. Snotting on your your hung wife's dirty feet. Fine if they were clean. You know, I really don't know. They were, apparently they were meant to be crucified. Is what it says in the film. Oh, okay. I really don't know if well, you they can were hanging s- up somewhere. If you can stop uh, Roman legionists, I think they were Praetorians, like the the Caesar's special Romans, and go. Oh yes, it's fine that you want to crucify me. I totally consent. Just want to wash my feet in case my husband comes and snots on. Well, no, if he snots on them, that'll be a kick in the face, isn't it? You've <laughs> just washed your feet, and then he snots on them, gets them dirty mm. again. Maybe he's trying to wash the feet with his own. Well, double apparently the the mm. script called for a, a gentle cry, a manly, you know, cry, a little silver tear. But Russell Crowe and the director both thought, no, nah, he needs to do a big cry. Oh, a big cry, a big snotty cry. Do a big snotty cry, Ross. Yeah, I think that, yeah, it is a moment for a big cry. Oh, yeah, so the baddie son thinks he's killed, he's sent some people to kill that guy. But he hasn't. A bit like in The Lion King. That's exactly the same. You know, when Scar sends... um, The hyenas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. To kill Simba. And they were like, oh, he's as good as dead. And he's run off. But then he comes back. It's pretty much The Lion King, this film. Yeah, I guess the only difference is instead of the Hakuna Matata, he snots all over his crucified wife's feet. Well, there is kind of a bit like that with the with the dad where the the lion is sad the little Simba oh the lion is sad anyway so then the main guy does some fighting and everyone's impressed and then he reveals his identity my name is Maximus Meridius is that his full name yeah that is a silly name well he's from a silly time yeah, and then it's like awkward between them for the rest of the film, and you're like, oh, someone's gonna kill someone else at some point because they're not friends, like jealousy and stuff like that. And in the end, oh, they both die. Yes, yeah, so that's basically the film. Oh, there were some tigers. Yes, there were. That was good. Th- yeah, there were some incredibly gruesome. Bits like I've already mentioned, boob woman getting chopped in half, snotting on the dead wife's dead wife's feet. Uh, there's also like he gets a massive cut in his arm, and they put maggots in it. Um, there's a guy that wears an ox's skull for a helmet. Oh, there was a dead head that just rolled like very near the start of the film. There's just a dead head that rolls on the floor. What else? Oh, a tiger being impaled by a sword. I mean, it's very interesting to hear you describe the film that we've just seen, but I wanted to ask you, like, what did you think of it? How did it make you feel? Did you enjoy it? Was it tense? Was it laughable? Was it good? um, So I'd say it starts off with just a battle scene, and I'm like, (laughs) dull, because you haven't got me into the characters, so I really don't care. It's just a... I don't get emotional about historical battles. Like, how many historical battles have there been so far? 
Oh, absolutely loads. I'd say at least 14. You do seem <laughs> to have fight-induced narcolepsy. <laughs> like it you would be awful in a real war. If I knew the if I knew the people or whatever. Also, like that was a long time ago. I'm over it now. Like I'm still a bit <laughs> I'm sad. Over it now. <laughs> I'm still a bit sad about World War 1 and that's like 100 100 years ago because that's like almost in living memory and actually our son Percy's named after someone who died about World War One. I. I feel like I can get a bit emotional about that. But um You know there's been loads of wars in between World War One and and now, right? That wasn't the last time there was a big Yeah, no, but I think fight. that's the last that's the furthest back I can be emotional about. I can't be emotional about anything that's before nineteen hundred. Interesting. I'm over that. It was so long ago. <laughs> the Roman times <laughs> I'm over the 19th century <laughs> and all preceding centuries of human endeavour. <laughs> Do one, history. Yep. So anyway, it starts in a battle. And then there's like some chatting and they're like glamping. Remember that bit? Yes. So That's where I daydreamed for quite a while. And I was not into it at all. But then after that, whatever happened after that, I got into it. Then I was like, oh, there is a storyline here. There's like people and there's relationships and there's like there's stuff going on there's murders there's and it was easy although i didn't fully follow it it was easier to follow than the matrix which is all just rubbish and i really thought i'd enjoy the matrix more than this yeah i mean there's a lot to unpack in what you've just said Mm. obviously um i think it's a very different style. I think you enjoy history more than you enjoy the idea of being trapped in a computer simulation. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. You love a bit of glamping. Mm-hmm. But there are moments when it is tense. There are moments when it's loving. And there are moments when it's like, you know, I think with The Matrix, you didn't connect very much with the characters. And I know you said at the start when they're firebombing a sorry forest, you didn't really feel like anything. But that is also to sh- that's character driven in a sense because it shows us Maximus is a leader of men who has the respect of his men. It is quite a sausage fest. The film, um, yeah, and like the Matrix, there's just one taken woman. Like the, that's your style of film: loads of men fighting each other and one taken woman. And one yes. snog. It's the dream, really. And a lot of deaths. Your death to snog ratio is so much lower than mine. Can I just interject Higher and say, in films? <laughs> yeah. Well, how many? Mm, how many people have you killed, and how many people have you snogged? I'm not going to admit either of those <laughs> because this could potentially be incriminating later on in life. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's the difference. I like sort of 20 snogs and one death in a film, and you like 20 deaths and one snog. That is an interesting way to contrast our <laughs> film tastes. I probably don't disagree, to be honest. I could take a little more snogging. I could probably take a little more death. So I suppose if the ratio stayed the same, you know, 40 deaths and two snogs. So maybe if we were going to watch a film that we both like, we need to go for 10 snogs, 10 deaths. Oh, to I'd... sort of push... Push our boundary. I don't know about a one-to-one ratio. <laughs> well, I mean, that's fair. 
fair isn't always good, especially not in terms of entertainment. Okay. Apparently, mm-hmm. when they started making this, the script on this was heavily critiqued by lots of people. I don't know if you read that. Because of historical accuracy. No, they didn't struggle or strive towards historical accuracy. So, um, Commodus was killed, but he was killed in a bath by a wrestler called Narcissus. Um, And he'd been emperor for 12 years. Yeah, I read a few stuff about that. So, it it is a weird mixture of history and not history. Like, those people existed and some of the things are true. Yeah, they've got a lot of composite characters and things like a lot of them, but they uh, what I read is they wanted it to be a story and engaging rather than historically accurate. And at the end of the credits it does say these some people are based on real characters, but it's all a work of fiction. Did you know they did employ historians and one of them quit and one of them said don't put my name on the credits. I did not hear that last bit. Yeah. Um, no, what I was going to say was that the script at the start was apparently really bad. They didn't like the script. Yeah, I read that as well. And that they actually improvised loads of the lines. Yeah, I was quite impressed with that. Uh, it made me feel more impressed with Russell Crowe. So early on, after the senseless killing, uh, w- in the glamping... <laughs> the senseless killing the whole way through. Well, after the early senseless killing, then, okay. in the glamping period... Yeah where young Goody is talking to old sort of Goody, he says, tell me about your home, and he describes the kitchen, the soil, and the smells of the kitchen. And apparently, Russell Crowe improvised that because he was so homesick for his actual house in Australia. It's a description of his house in Australia. Um, And there's some other things that he improvised, like the strength and honour, little, hey, we're men, strength and honour buddies thing that they say to each other, which he improvised. And it made me think, oh, he's he's doing better than I thought, which was yeah, nice. Well done, he d- he did good. Well done, Russ. He I won an Oscar for it. I wonder how they did all those mental like battle scenes and stuff. Like, how do you how do you chop someone's head off without chopping their head off? I could tell you how I think I would do it. Oh, jam. <laughs> oh, that's so much better. I was going to try and give a serious answer, but now, would, no, a serious answer is an awful idea. What I do is I would have two specially trained squirrels <laughs> squeezing. You know those like bulbs of ketchup. You don't see them very much anymore. Bulbs of ketchup. Yeah, they're sort of like um, tomato shaped. Tomato. Of... <laughs> you talk about tomatoes. <laughs> I'd have squirrels with tomatoes <laughs> and uh, a man with a fishing rod and I'd have a fake head on a mannequin and a fishing rod and squirrels inside <laughs> and the squirrels are terrified of being lifted into the air and I'd train them slowly over many years because I've got that level of foresight <laughs> and as they're lifted, they oh, they ang- anxiously grab at the tomatoes, squish them and also cranberry juice. And this is the serious answer. No. Oh gosh. What do you think the RSPCA would have to say about this film? I heard, uh, I read, so I sort of heard with my eyes, that um, (laughs) the four tigers that were in the scenes were there and they were on 
restraints and there was a vet there, a trained vet with tranquilizers yeah, yeah. the whole time. Ready to... To trank a tiger. But that's not very fair to the tiger. Mm, the tiger's not really meant to maul the person. Yeah, I know, but it's a shame. Tigers are, like, endangered. It's a shame to kill a tiger just because of it. So it's not it's the tiger's fault. They didn't kill any tigers. Person. That was a film, love. Yeah. <laughs> I would have loved to have been an animal trainer. So when, you know this, but when I was in year six, that was my uh, career ambition, to be someone who trained animals for films. Nice. I'll tell you how I ended up as... As that. Uh, Wait. wait. <laughs> you didn't end up as that. What are you hiding from me? I'll tell you how I came to that realisation. Mm-hmm. I loved animals. So first I wanted to be a vet. And then my mum was like, oh, um, you have to like work really hard at school and stuff like that. And I was like, sack that off. <laughs> so then I was like, oh, actually, I want to be a farmer. And she was like, well, then you have to kill the animals. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is that is sad. So then I wanted to be a zookeeper. Mm-hmm. And my mum, crusher of all my dreams, was like, yeah, well, how are you going to clean out? That's just shoveling animal poo all day and you don't even like cleaning out the rabbits. So I don't think you'd go well with elephant poo. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to be someone who trains animals for films. Um, and I had this like whole plan in this kind of like arrogant way that you have when you're ten, when you're like, okay, I can definitely do this. I'm just gonna print out posters, stick them around my village saying animal trainer. Then I'm gonna buy loads of pets and just yeah. train them to do cool stuff. And I did manage to train my rat to kind of walk on a tightrope, but my mum never let me buy tigers. What could have been, huh? What could have been? I loved the marketing that was in the film. I don't know if you saw that. At one point, a guy grabbed a poster that said, Gladiators, violence. And that was it. What? That was the poster for Gladiators? Gladi... No, um... that was the poster the for the games, for the games in Rome. <laughs> just gladiators, violence. Yeah, and just a picture of like two men wrestling, I think it was. So mm. their marketing is easy. Do you know what I read? Nope. In the history real times. <laughs> Sorry, uh, when? 180 AD. Right. In one of them gladiator stadium tours. When the gladiators came out, they did like a product placement thing then. How funny is that? They did like advertising. And the first time they shot that film, or it was written in the script or something, they did this because it was historically accurate. And then they were like, we can't do this. This looks stupid. And that's why that writer quit. The um, historian quit. Because Because he thought that bit should go in. And that's why he's an historian and not an entertainer. Like, but what products could they possibly be like? What would be a funny product to you? <laughs> this gladiator, <laughs> sponsored by Glade Plug-In Air Freshener. <laughs> Bring the gentle scent of sands and blood to your villa. <laughs> what products were there in those times? Uh, there were quite a lot of tiger floor coverings. <laughs> you know, that's um, marble. 
<laughs> marbles. There were marbles, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, like, everything was made of marble. <laughs> Pretty much everything. And Get your kitchen worked up here, ladies. And now, for some... Maximus Jigo. only uses the finest Gaulish marble. <laughs> uh, product placement. I like it. <coughs> what about the music? Oh, yeah. That music came on and I was like, I've recognised that from somewhere. But I don't know if I've just recently listened to it because I did listen to some like uh, compilation of film music. But it felt like it was in my head from like a long time ago. It's good, isn't when it? Yeah. Hans Zimmer and Lisa Gerrard did the music. And it's great. Uh, I read somewhere that parts of the main theme were used almost exactly for Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah, oh. I remember that. That's Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah, but also Gladiator. Oh. Mm. Um, but the music is really good. I think there's lots of bits where you just know that person's a baddie because of the music. Like, the music really What's contributes. What's the baddie music? Dun-dun-dun! Who's the baddie? Who's the baddie? Look body, at his evil eyes. Who's the baddie? Baddie, baddie, baddie. No, I think there's some bits where where the Praetorians go to kill his family. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, there's some horsey man riding to his family. Uh-oh. And you just know they're baddies even before the family have realised it, because of the music. I thought the music really added. It was a storytelling tool, which I don't think it always is in some films. Yeah, I am noticing music in films more now that we're critically watching films. Mm, I prefer the music to the, the in this to the one in Moulin Rouge. I'll just say it to you. <sighs> Webs. Webs. What about... I? Have you got a favourite quote? This is my least favourite quote. Okay. Or just one that I thought is very non-feminist. Yes, go on. If only you'd been born a man, what a Caesar you would have made. I've also written down, it's not very merciful to scream, Am I not merciful? In someone's face, very close up. Also, something that was improvised. So he says the line, and then he gets up close and he shouts the line. He acts it into her face. And apparently that means that her reaction was real and pure and not just some lady doing some good acting. Um, lots of very good acting. Russell Crowe won Best Actor Oscar for this. He also broke a lot of bones. And I feel like when we research all of these films so far... People have broken bones and stuff like that. And I'm surprised how many like big name act- actors and actresses just break bones and that's just like normal. Yeah, I mean, I still think they've got a pretty good job comparatively and they get paid pretty well for it. Well, so it's fine for them to break some bones. Uh, yeah, that's basically so what I'm saying. So he broke a hip bone and he ripped and run- ruptured some tendons and you know at the beginning scene he had this like scar on his face yeah that was a genuine scar from like a a horse running into a tree 
with him on it. Okay. A tree horse incident. I mean, the one I read that bothered me more was that he lost feeling in part of his hand for two oh, yeah. years oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. after filming this. I was like, oh, all right, that's that's a bit much. That's me going, oh, I don't know, 18 months I could deal with, but two years. But how much did he get paid? Oh, I, I don't know. Certainly more than I make in a week. Wow. Yeah. Big stuff. One of my favourite quotes, uh, Oliver Reed pl- oh, yeah. is an old man. Rip. I didn't know he died <laughs> tonight. No, he didn't. And I wanted to sort of bring it up yeah. whilst we were live because we just finished watching it about an hour ago. Um, we've done our wheeze and our poos and our tidying up and we're <laughs> recording now. Let's edit that bit out. He died whilst they were making this film um, of a heart attack, which is sad. Um so my yeah. one of my favourite moments is where he and Omid Jalili have this scene. Omid Jalili is the plays the guy who sells the slaves to Oliver Reed. And um Oliver Reed says, Those giraffes you sold me, they never do any mating. They're just eating all the time. You sold me queer giraffes. <laughs> Did you say that? Yeah, yeah, I've written it down and everything because I just thought uh, what an excellent... Honestly, how have I managed I missed to... that. That's a great, that's a great Mix point. up. And at the time, he was actually holding Omar Jalili's balls. Why? Excuse me, because that's what the scene called for, but that's right. out of shot. You don't see that. <laughs> it's just insinuated. And then I read afterwards, he's at... He, <laughs> Sorry, I've just read the quote again. You saw me queer giraffes. Like, great line. I read afterwards, he was actually method acting right onto his testicles. Nice. Which is funny. So do you think he got paid for the film? Oliver Reed? Yeah. Um, Good question. Or do you think they were like, oh, freebie, because he's dead? Well, about money and Oliver Reed, they were insured... And they could have claimed, I think, and got twenty five oh, yeah, really. million from the insurance to, to reshoot film it. All of those scenes again. Yeah. But they couldn't be asked. Well so they just slightly rewrote it. They rewrote it. it. They got a stand in, a body double, and they CG'd his face on. And it says in the in the internet, IMDB and Wikipedia I've quickly skim read. They got an extra two minutes of screen time out of Oliver Reed using all that jiggery pokery, and it cost them three point two million for two minutes. For two minutes of extra screen time, uh, two minutes of a dead man. So, do you think he got paid less, like to his family or whatever, than he would have got paid because he didn't finish it, or I should imagine, di- or did he not get anything because he was dead? I should imagine they paid some money to his estate. I mean, if I knew you were going to ask this. I would have looked it up. Fun fact about Oliver Reed. Uh, he knew my auntie. Hilarious. Who is like a bit showbiz. And they once had an ice cream <laughs> eating competition. And my auntie won. There you go. Take that, Oliver Reed. Oh, he's, he's dead. Yeah, that's why I felt comfortable to say it. He was also in the film Oliver. But he wasn't Oliver. He was that bad guy. Which bad guy? The the really bad guy, not the lovable bad guy. Boris Johnson. <laughs> he's not a lovable guy. No, he's not the bo- he's not the lovable bad guy. He's the real bad guy. He's the really bad guy. Bill Sykes. 
Right. I'd forgotten all about him. Great film, though, that. I might make you watch that. I've seen it. I've been Have in you? the play of it. We talk about this every time, and you're like, oh, that doesn't count. <laughs> Good, there are some good lines, given um, given the fact the script was rewritten. There's three or four people credited on the script, um, but I I really quite liked where she, the lady, the daughter who should have been a man, said, mm. "I knew a man once," and you just sat there went, <laughs> "Good story, <laughs> cool story, bro." Like you just totally interrupted <laughs> the film for your own comic gains. Um, which is it's interesting because there's so many quotable bits and like that big speech that he does when he reveals his um, his identity and the bit where he's are oh, you not entertained and all this kind of stuff for a script apparently that started out so terrible that people didn't How want to did be in the film. How did it get made if the script was so terrible? Well, they started out with some script and then they rewrote it loads. Yeah, but don't you have to? sort of submit your script to someone and someone has to be impressed by it and then be like, yeah, let's make it, when the script is good. Yeah. Does someone g- go, oh, th- like, how did how did that happen? Well, firstly, it was the 90s, so the bar was a lot lower for everything, apparently. Um, but also, I think people were impressed. Spielberg was something on board with it at one point and they showed the, they showed the um, script to good old... Uh, Ridley Scott, who directed it, and he must have liked it enough. They also showed him this painting from the ancient days. Mm. Not the proper ancient days, the more recent ancient days. The nineties. <laughs> <laughs> and he really liked that painting and he wanted to I think he had a What painting? They showed Ridley Scott this painting, a nineteenth century painting by Jean Leon Jerome. I almost said that like you would speak French. Jerome called Thumbs Down. There's a picture of it. Oh yeah. Good pain. Oh yeah. And he had and he I think Ridley Scott had this kind of pictorial visual vision of what it would look like. And then they just thought the script is a good enough basis, I guess, to go with. Mm-hmm. I just found it was interesting. I did actually sorry. One of the things you read up when you read up about the film is how poor the script was and how poor they all considered it and it ends up after all this work to be this really quotable story that's emotive yeah. and powerful and you enjoyed yeah I actually surprisingly did really get into it and like the gruesome stuff was was kind of interesting like it w- it is gross to think that they did really do that stuff like the um, uh, county that I'm from Warwickshire the symbol of Warwickshire is a bear attached to a pole, yeah. which is like a really odd symbol, but it's from like bear fighting days and they've decided that that would be an appropriate symbol for the county of Warwickshire. Warwickshire. Come and see a bear tied to a stick. <laughs> on a sign. On a sign. Not in real life. Oh no. Oh no. Why are all these tourists here? Oh no. Get me a bear. Yeah. It is odd. But it, that is crazy that, that that stuff happened and that was like entertainment. Because I remember watching the film Hunger Games and that's a bit similar. But like it's all like fantasy made up stuff. But then you're like, actually they did they did do that for fun. And it, I, mm. 
Like, it would be kind of fun to watch, even though it's disgusting and horrible. It's interesting. I've written down a quote here from you. A weird form of entertainment, but it would be interesting. That's what you said in the time oh, as we were watching the film. Pretty myself. Um, you also said when they uh, when they were playing some kind of strange snake game. Oh, yeah. So they had a snake under a basket. They were drumming up the basket to get the snake agitated, and then they were throwing bits at the snake once they'd removed the basket and trying to like slap the snake or something. You were like, I feel like their board games are a bit better than ours. Yeah, we never play slap slap the snake. Well, no, you're not supposed to slap the snake, my love. <laughs> it's a penis joke. How about... Oh, no, there's one last quote I wanted to talk about. Uh, Senator Gracchus, played by Derek Jacobi, who I know as Cadfael, which is a TV show my dad used to watch. Senator Caracas. Gra- That's like a place in South America, I think. Well, I mean, it is if you say his name wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's like a refreshing little snack. Crackers. <laughs> I would have never called crackers refreshing. You don't think, oh, I'm so thirsty. <laughs> I'll have a cracker. Oh, no, you do. You're like, mm, my mouth is far too moist. I'll have a cracker. Oh, how refreshing. Nice and dry again. <laughs> I don't think my mouth is ever too moist. I suffer from an over-moist <laughs> mouth literally all the time. That's so funny. I think it's a real thing that I have to deal with. <laughs> like, over-moistness of like the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like snogging helps that? Um, I suppose... Because if I've got a dry mouth and you've got a moist mouth, well, ideal. Is it, is it water that goes... Uh, <laughs> osmosis goes down a reverse diffusion gradient, doesn't it? So it goes from areas of high concentration <laughs> to low concentration. So yes, if I'm super moist of mouth... <laughs> And you're a dry, arid wasteland of a mouth. <laughs> then I suppose when we kiss, we harmonise a little. <laughs> we come towards a, a natural equilibrium. Yeah, or you could just have a cracker and I could just have some water. Well, yeah, there is uh, <laughs> that more efficient version of the <laughs> harmony. Sexy cracker and water. Um, I feel like I'm, that might have been a tangent. Oh, really? <laughs> it really was. There's an interesting moment where Senator, not Crackers, <laughs> not Caracas, not Barabbas, <laughs> not Zanzibarbarian, Senator Gracchus yes. with a gut yep. Senator Gracchus gives this speech about the mob and how the mob is Rome and how he who controls the mob controls Rome. And it was like, oh my word. This is right-wing politics right now. It was really, like, felt prescient and on point. And if I'd had more time, I would have looked up that bit in the script and read it out or something. Because it was kind of worryingly freaky about how Rome is not about the emperor or the senate. It's about the mob of people. And if you can stir up the mob of people to do what you want, you're in charge. And I felt like... Oh, that describes politics from like 2014 onwards in the UK and the US. Do you think we should stir up a mob? No, I think... With our podcast? Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm advocating right now. That's why I brought it up. Tier 3 mob. Woohoo! What do you think we should call ourselves? Every good mob has a good name. The Gladiators? Uh, no, I think that's taken. 
Oh, okay. Um, tier three mob is a bit long, a bit unwieldy. Currently, we're the only city in tier three right now. Liverpool, yeah, is the only city That's in a tier three lockdown. I'm making this podcast with the only person I'm legally allowed to. And she'd rather have a drink than kiss me. <laughs> it's just another option for dry mouth. Get your over-moist mouth away from me. <laughs> have a cracker. Credit shout-outs. Oh, really? It's time for a <laughs> credit shout-out. It's time for the credit shout-out. Shout-out! Shout-out! That's what this podcast is all We big up a person with a silly job or name Like shoe coordinator This is bound to lead to their future fame I'd like to give a credit shout out to Colin Fox The drapery master of this film Drapery master Colin Does that mean he's in charge of curtains? You absolute fox Colin, you curtain master (laughs) Did he make the um, glamping scene? Maybe. Oh, he might have. Yeah. Yeah, he could have put up, put up the. Uh, put up a tent. <laughs> I don't know. Whoever you are, Colin, great job. Standby painter Perry Bell. <laughs> I wonder if he got onto any painting or just stood there. I wouldn't mind being a standby painter. Yeah. To be honest. I could be a standby any job. You could be an actual painter though. Yeah. I couldn't. Um, also. Shout out to the Tiger Trainers, Living My Dream, Randy Miller, and Carmel Flores. Yes. Well done. They did not have mums who's... They didn't live in Burton Green, obviously. They must have put their signs on <laughs> lampposts yeah, they didn't in Hollywood. Yeah, they did crush their, their dreams. They might have had. Anyway, well done, you um, guys. Um, I did have a question that the... That the um, credits brought out of me. In the second unit, there were clapper loaders. Yeah, what's a clapper loader? I don't know what a clapper loader is. Well, you could have Googled it. No, I'm not going to Google it. This is definitely not a podcast for the informed. If you are James Needham or Holger Jews, (laughs) maybe use J-O-O-S from the second unit of Gladiator, the clapper loaders, please... Please, I would absolutely love it if you would contact us and tell me what a clapper loader is and what you're doing now. Yeah, we need to be tweeting these people on the credit shout-outs. Um, before we go on, do you have any more to say about the film Gladiator? Uh, no, I was just kind of daydreaming, daydreaming about Colin Fox and whether he could give us some suggestions for our dining room curtains oh, we, it's available we haven't got any kind of uh, view blocking apparatus in the dining room at the minute you can mm. just see straight into our house well I've got I've got idea. I want to do um, dip dye curtains but I, d- I just you know if he's got any experience with that <laughs> <laughs> Colin if you're out there drapery master drapery master um, what I wanted to bring up before we move on was a number of times, it turns out, they've tried to write a sequel to this. Oh, I did read a bit of that. But it's hard to write a sequel when the main guy is dead. Can you? Can I just, can I just read you an excerpt yep. from a description of a sequel that didn't get made? Yep. Uh, 
It was written by Nick Cave, and in 2009, details of his script titled Christ Killer came out. Hmm. Blah, blah, blah. The film would have concluded with Maximus just, right, just bask in the glory of this sentence and then ask yourself why this film didn't get made. <laughs> okay. The film would have concluded with Maximus defeating Roman legionnaires led by an adult Lucius, Lucius and becoming an immortal force of war with a 20-minute sequence of Maximus fighting in the Crusades, World War II and the Vietnam War <laughs> before ending up working at the modern-day Pentagon. <laughs> well, and he just, he just never dies. He just lives through all of history. That's what we need as a sequel to Gladiator. <laughs> Gladiator 2, the indomitable history sword man. <laughs> I've got one more thing to say about this film. Okay. Uh, a slight criticism. Russell Crowe's haircut, I do not believe to be a Roman haircut. I'm not a historian, <laughs> but that's quite a 90s kind of hair and beard thing he's got going on there. I'm not a haircut historian. But that looked <laughs> more like it belonged in boy zone than the Byzantine era. Yeah. <sighs> if, if only that was the Byzantine era. I don't know what that is, but but yeah, his his haircut was whoever. Would, I guess they they sacked the historical person and or he left. History guy left, and then they were like, "Oh, what haircut should we do? Oh, this is in. Oh, that'd be fine." That's all, really. Do you agree with that? That the haircut was odd. Yeah. Yes, I did think the haircut was odd. Um, I thought they had nice hair though. You know who we didn't mention? Which I can't believe we didn't mention this. The guy with the creepy eyebrows. The <laughs> eyebrows are like, whoa. <laughs> They're all him. That was That's his genuine eyebrows. I read that's his real eyebrows. Is that why he got put on that role? Was that like, oh, we need an actor with mental eyebrows? Was that in the description? or Citizens of Rome, behold my eyebrows. Uh, no, I, I imagine, why doesn't he trim, though? I imagine he grew them. For the role, <laughs> <laughs> you can't grow eyebrows. I, I mean, I mean, yeah. If you shave them all off, you can grow them back. But they don't. They're not like hair on your head that just grows forever. It does. They're they they do get bigger. That's mental. He did have mental eyebrows. Perhaps we'll try and find a picture of his mental eyebrowness and put it up. Ugh, yeah. I don't know how to do that, but we'll find a way to do that. Crazy. Um, well, that does bring me to what are we watching next? Ooh, it's my choice again. I know, and I specifically didn't prep you because I wanted to. Yep. Capture this. Well, I thought we've I've chosen two like man and woman love stories where one of them dies. So I'm gonna go different this time. Uh, I'm gonna go for my what you think is my choice genre depressing childhoods and go for a film about a child it's the film billy elliot Whoop! the dancing one yeah ballet boy ballet boy is that the subtitle yep excited not really it's a great film uh, from what I know of it, it's a load of Northerners shouting puff at each other. It's a great film. <laughs> and it does have men in it. Uh, there's some like minor, there's some like history and stuff. 80s history. 
It's a brilliant film. Just saying it louder <laughs> doesn't make it true. Anyway, that's what you're watching next. Join us next time for Ballet Boy, the untold story of Billy Elliot. Yep. See you soon. Bye. Bye. I wouldn't want